welcome back to the Ugly Ducklings podcast with your host Rashida and Bryce. This week we got a homie from the West Coast on the podcast with us, Rob, who is joining us to talk about tech. So, you know, we talk about a plethora of topics on the podcast. Lately, we've been talking reality shows, dating, horror movies. Well, now we're going to get back to our young professional shit. We're going to talk to a young professional killing the game in tech. So welcome and thanks for joining us today. You said somebody who's killing the game, man. I, I, ain't, I ain't did nothing yet, but... So you say. <laughs> Don't sell yourself short, brother. Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> but yeah, so we will just kick off with le- like letting our listeners know a little bit about you. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, then we'll have some questions that we have for you about your journey in the tech space. But yes, please just first introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, like you said, my name is Rob. Um, I've been in the quote unquote tech space for, man, some years now. I couldn't even, I'm trying to think my where I got my start. Um, 2016, I think my journey started, well, 2015, my journey started at um, at Apple. I actually worked in retail. I was working in the retail space at the Apple store, kind of getting my feet, you know, went from there to like a back of house position where I started learning the admin side of things. And like, this is my first real career job and trying to, you know, leverage that into my next opportunity. Was interested in leadership always because, you know, there aren't too many people who are of color in leadership, you know, to speak that language. Yeah. So from Apple, I made a, a pretty, pretty big pivot into um, tech sales. So I went from customer service with Apple and kind of being like the customer service individual to um, an individual contributor role at Yelp. So going into advertising and marketing sales, um, selling advertising to small businesses and things like that. Doing that for some time, started there in 2018, as again, as the individual contributor, and then quickly worked myself up the ranks into leadership. I uh, was a, a manager, sales manager at Yelp for about two and a half years, where I then transitioned, took a little, you might say a break, but, you know, pursue a passion project, if you will, ended up uh, playing basketball again, uh, playing professionally overseas, and then Oh, okay. Um, yeah, after the that stint came <laughs> back into the tech space where I currently am working in um fintech financial tech space. Um, I'm a sales manager for a for a fintech company, again, selling kind of a B2B a service to um, financial advisors. So still in sales leadership in the in the tech space and kind of have been in here for, for some time, but you know, seen a lot of corners of the game in in continuing to grow so long-winded answer but that's what I'm doing now <laughs> I don't think I realized you played like recently yeah like, this was recent yeah your sister mentioned that you play ball but I thought it was like out of college or like right after not like oh I'm in my career mm-hmm. just kidding peace y'all I'll be back yeah. like that's actually quite brave to do because yeah. I know I would have been like where am I how am I paying for my my, my shit yeah it was it was interesting because so uh, a teammate of mine who I played with in college he um, was coaching at University of Houston at the time and I was like full swing in my career like yeah. already full go and um, he knew I could still play and he at the time he had a pipeline of players he was sending uh, from Houston to overseas so he called me twenty no yeah twenty nineteen um, originally and was like man I got an opportunity. Um, I think you should give it a shot, blah, blah, blah. I know you can still play. And at first I brushed him off. I said, no, nah, like I got it good. I'm, yeah. you know, my checks is clearing <laughs> on this side, you know? So, uh, let it rock out. And then I never stopped thinking about it, you know, like, damn, like what, what if yeah. I would have took that leap? Um, the next year, the same opportunity came around and, uh, he gave me a call again 
And I was like, you know what? I think this might be a sign because I never stopped thinking about yeah. it the last time you called me, you know? Um, so it was a pretty big decision I had to make. So I went to my VP at the time who uh, I was pretty close with and I'm still fairly close with him at Yelp. And I told him, I said, hey, Paul, like, I think I got a decision I need to make. And I, I yeah. think I'll be kicking myself if I didn't take the opportunity. And it was kind of like the push I needed because he was really transparent with me. And I'm lucky to have someone like that. He said, Rob, at the end of the day, you'd be an idiot if you didn't take the opportunity because yeah. you're you're crushing it here. You always have a role. So like what mm-hmm. you got to do. And then on upon your return, let us know. And like, okay. we got you. So um, I did that, went, played and on returning back to the States. Uh, when I was going to go back to my uh, regular job, uh, a director who I had worked with at the time was like, listen, before you take that route, I got a new opportunity for you. Um, wow. here, and then we can go from there. Yeah. Heard him out, ended up not taking my old opportunity, found a better one, and then yeah. landed me where I'm at today. So Okay, so that's really all about connections. So oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like that's always like the first thing because you weren't necessarily looking for that role, but that's how you know it found you. But mm-hmm. I think my first question was like, in reference to tech, were you actively, like you said, you mentioned Apple first, but were you like actively trying to get into tech or it was just like, oh, I could work at Apple. That would be cool. I could give me some free iPods, you know, like, <laughs> what, like, why did you decide to even like work at Apple? Nah, I mean, I knew that it was, it was a good gig at the time. I was super young and I knew the skills that I would learn. Like I will always hear about my friends who worked at Apple, like yeah. I had a huge network and the the skill set that you would learn and the connects you can go or you can take from that, I knew it would be like the most fruitful thing for me. Like it was yeah. incredibly transferable and it looks great on a resume, like working sure at is. any form, like at Apple at any level is a, is a good look. So I knew I wanted to do that. And then being able to leverage that into another uh, job in tech, I knew it would be like the easiest transition possible. So for yeah. me, it was like the doors had opened. I'm like, okay, we, we in there. So Okay, so when you got there, so this is my other problem with tech, I feel like, with Black people specifically, <laughs> uh-huh. I feel like they don't always set you up for success. Yeah. For so sure. when you were onboarding, do you feel like it was just like, oh, sink or swim? Or did you have a team or managers that were like, okay, let's like at least give you some steps or ex- be very explicit on what success looks like in the first 60 to 90 days? I would say this, I'm incredibly blessed for the people who I've met along my journey and like who've been placed on my path. My direct report at the time, Alani Johnson, she is an absolute blessing. She's like, that's like big sis for real. Like mm-hmm. me being a youngster, like starting my career in tech, yeah. she kind of set me straight like early. Okay. Like I'm coming in thinking I'm doing something. Like I'm feeling young, working at Apple. I'm bright eyed, bushy tail. Like you can't tell me nothing. Yeah. And she saw how I was moving. And before I even like, took the wrong direction she was like nah come here let me let, okay. me let me show you the ropes real quick and she was like she was like the auntie at apple you feel <laughs> me like she's like, for real like she's like look you're not about to have these little niggas in here acting crazy like yeah let me show you how you post the move and how these white people gonna have you out here acting a fool and how not to be that way i was yeah. like okay uh, so get real real quick and that like set me up for success for like the rest of my career for real yeah okay you know that reminds me of that episode of insecure remember and they had the ratchet intern and molly was like oh no uh, say <laughs> something or do you not like bryce have you ever had to like help a black person out like yo you you're not actually doing your job but that's the thing so this is the first job i worked at where i've had a black coworker. Oh wow! <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> and then they'd be like, "Is DEI really a thing?" Yes, yeah. it is a thing. It's tough. 
Well, okay, mm-hmm. I can't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. I know. Um, I don't know if you like. We might get to it, but I know from going from that, Apple does a really really good job at like diversity, equity, and inclusion. So like. From the standpoint, there was a lot of people from different walks of life, so it wasn't really an issue. Going yeah. from Apple retail to kind of a, a different realm in tech sales, yeah. that was a complete like 180. Okay. There's not as many people who look like me and there's yeah. not as many resources and individuals you can talk to where like they might align with your okay. uh, with your journey. So in my first couple months, actually, in like tech sales, I like I tried to quit for real, like oh, for like okay. the first three, four months because I didn't feel like I had the resources to be successful I'm okay. like this is not for me like how most people think like no one like looks for a career in sales or yeah. not that I know you yeah. kind of just end up there mm-hmm. after college trying to figure something out and it's a high turnover because yeah. people are like I don't feel like I'm gonna be successful at this and that was me like I'm taking interviews mm-hmm. at different companies in the lobby of my current job like <laughs> on my lunch break like how do I need to get yeah. the fuck out of here you know so, um, and it was strictly because I didn't have someone, a leader in place to break it down to me, how I needed to be coached. Yeah. But, um, so I kind of had to like figure it out on my own. And for the first three, four months, it was a really, really dark time. It was a struggle, but like through process of elimination, I kind of did all the wrong things for the okay. first couple months and then was left with this concentrated, like, well, I guess this is it. And this okay. is how you get the job done. So ended up being uh, one of the top performers like in the country for the company yeah. and then like climb the ranks really quick from there. Wow. Okay. So yeah. like the first four, you like four or five months, it was like, I, I don't know what it the was, fuck is going on. It was dark as hell. And then, <laughs> so when you were doing the wrong thing, mm-hmm. who did you just kind of figure out you were doing the wrong thing or did someone tell you at some point like, oh no, that's not the right way to go about things. Listen, I look at it like this. Whenever people, whenever you have an art or a craft or anything, you're like, oh my God, I love my craft. Like, you know you're not doing what you're supposed to do you know and you gotta have a certain amount of accountability yeah. to be like okay how do I fix it right yeah so I knew I was trash I'm like okay yeah. <laughs> how are we gonna get around this yeah. <laughs> you know so okay. we um so what I would do I would go and I would listen to my calls and like I would ask myself if I listen to this call would any of my friends be able to tell them like that's me and then the answer was no oh okay so mm. I'm like I'm listening I'm hearing shit I'm like this sounds cringy as fuck like who are you? What are you doing? Okay. And like, why do you feel like you have to be something other than you yeah. to be successful? To do the sale. Yeah. So it was, it was almost like a surrender point. Like mm-hmm. I'm to a point like, you know what? I didn't try everything else. Fuck it. I'm gonna just be me. Like yeah. they gonna get this, this nigga on the phone <laughs> and that's gonna be that. So it ended up being me and I just ended up okay. being my authentic self. And then I ended up taking off okay. and like, it ended up working. Now be, being able to be me at the same time as communicating in a way that I didn't know prior, I still had to learn a different role, but put it in layman's terms, Mm -hmm. right? And speaking to small business owners, they were just like me, right? I don't need to speak in this fancy jargon and all that. I just got to speak to them as me and explain what we do at its its simplest form. And that's what helped me get to where I need to go quicker. Okay. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like the concept of like the whole sorry to bother you like mm-hmm. but I don't I'm not surprised by that because I think inherently at least I know my my mom is you know baby boomer mm-hmm. when like you're growing up and Bryce you probably have the same thing everything is act white or like assimilate as much as you can right. whiteness when you're in mixed settings so that you're taken seriously or that you can progress right. so then I feel like naturally at work a lot of us co-switch mm-hmm. because we're like well that's the only way I can get ahead right right Personally, and I tell this to even my like the 
the minorities, black folk who I work with today, like I don't see code switching as necessarily a bad thing. I look at it almost from a sense, if I go to Mexico and they speak a different language than I do, it doesn't make me less of a person or make me fake if I speak Spanish to you. Yeah. If anything, I'm more of a resource because mm-hmm. I know how to speak two languages, yeah. right? And now I'm the uh, the conduit where that energy is coming through. And I'm like, okay, I know how you want to receive this information. Yeah. So I can give it to you the way you want to. So if anything, knowing how to operate and knowing how to move in those rooms and knowing how to code switch, it can help you because yeah. you can receive that information. And then how you really want to give it to them you can deliver in the way that the message is going to be received the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. No, that makes sense. Yeah, Bryce, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say the foundation of professionalism in general centers whiteness. And obviously we're not white, right? So it's like when we go into these jobs off the jump, it's like we can't necessarily, we feel like we can't be ourselves. And to Rashida's point earlier, like that's kind of taught at an early age. So like, I feel like after like the third, fourth month, you kind of actually go into your authentic self. And that's where, like, for example, with me, by month three, I'm wearing twist, two-strand twist the word, right? <laughs> so, whereas when I first got there, I mean, I, I normally rock a fro, but the fro, it's a little it's a little smaller. It's a little smaller. It's not as threatening as they would say, right? But um, now I feel like I'm truthfully myself, right? So, yeah. That's crazy. So when you finally like were on this like trajectory of success, you're starting to hear, you know, like positive feedback from people. Do you, were there still times where you felt because you were a minority and then a black man at that, that people were still perceiving you wrong or you don't feel like you encounter that? I bring that up only because I feel like a lot of black women, you know, you're fighting the stereotype of having an attitude and, um, like sometimes, you know, we a lot of us, black and I mean, black men and women have like the imposter syndrome going on. And then so people are like, well, how did you know? Are you really here because you deserve it? So did you feel like although you were performing, you still had like some naysayers? Yeah, 100%. There was a real pivotal time in my in my career. It's almost when I was on my way out, like uh, making a transition to go back to sports. Um, I was probably at the top of my game. Like I felt like I was like Michael Jordan after you won the first three chips, like. I'm leaving when I'm it could be, I'm really killing yeah. this shit. So uh, there was a, a manager, a senior manager. She was a at the time the top revenue producing a manager in the entire company in the country. And I worked wow. beside her okay. in New York. Um, a time came where an opportunity opened up uh, for a director role in a different vertical. So okay. uh, not necessarily in the advertising space, but in the, the restaurant space, which is Yelp is most yeah. popular for. Um, one of the folks who created in uh, in service that they sold at the time was visiting our office he was almost like a third party but a part of it a mm-hmm. part of our branch um he requested to have a coffee chat with me specifically and mm-hmm. like folks got wind of it in the office like oh my god like this yeah. guy Devin he's coming he's gonna be in the office and like he wants to meet with Rob whatever whatever and I'm like it's whatever I'm gonna take in and stride type thing I met with him and he asked me if I'd be interested in a director role in California. Yeah. Would I want to be a director in um, this restaurant group in LA, kind of spearheading this new initiative? Um, I said, yeah, that that was amazing. Like that's, I'm with it. You know what I mean? So kind of figuring out what that would look like, next steps and things. Um, But it wouldn't be for at least for the next six to eight months. So I kind of have to like still champion my role before (laughs) making that switch. Um, So that day uh, we had a, a leadership meeting right after I got done with this coffee chat and I go into a room, there's a, a bunch of other managers and I'm about to meet with my director. Yeah. Um, that top revenue producing manager, she's in the room with us. 
Um, so everybody's asking like, oh my God, how's the meeting with Devin go? How'd yeah. it go? Da, da, da. And then we're talking and this is, she's salty at this point, obviously. Like she's been there six, seven years. Yeah. How come she isn't in the running, mm-hmm. right? She said, Rob, I just want to ask you like, what, what does he want to talk about? And I looked at her, I said, Jenny, well, he was talking to me about a director role like in, in LA. Yeah. He's like, I, I don't get it. Like, I mean, I know you're great, but I'm just confused. Like why, why did he come mm-hmm. to you? Before she, I could even fix my lips to answer the question. She said, oh no they are looking for a diverse hire. Oh, my God. The backhanded compliment for me. When I tell you I wanted to jump out my skin across that table and punch that little girl in my mouth. (laughs) And at that moment, and what made it worse for me, (laughs) what made it worse for me is like how out of line the comment was and the fact that nobody, there's eight other managers in this office at the time. We're also at the table. Not a single person batted an eye. So y'all, y'all okay with this? Yeah. And I'm the only person of color in that room. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, this is, this is not going to be it for me. So yeah. So to answer your question, yes, I've definitely felt like that in in times. And that was probably the most pivotal moment. And like, okay, what am I going to do to advocate for myself and make sure that there aren't people who feel like it's okay to say shit like this? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's hard to sometimes react in those situations because I know for me, sometimes I'm so shocked Mm -hmm. that I'm like still processing like, Mm-hmm. Um, like and then like maybe the next day or later that night i'm like yo that was fucked up i should have like you said, i should have punched that bitch but nah, then, nah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I do want my job so. <laughs> punched her, but you should have said something no. like uh and that's the thing i said something it's just not what i wanted to say like i'm yeah i'm you know just gonna come at me any type of way like yeah. i responded like no, I'm pretty sure it's because I'm good at my job and I'm the top three uh grossing managers in the company yeah but, good good to know yeah you know what i mean so yeah it's yeah it was it was definitely right your mouth is so <laughs> no, because she's definitely tried to invalidate all your hard work over something that she wanted herself grow up <laughs> like that mm, mm. Yeah. Mind, but, but you see the thing i wanted to ask like one of the things even that i had like written down before this conversation of like it didn't take you long right people think like directors gonna take you like 10 years or whatever so just for our listeners like don't always think you have to follow the like career ladder that a lot of companies will have a lot of companies do have like a corporate ladder where you're associate and then your manager and then your senior manager right. and you're this manager and all these other levels you can skip right you can go to another company and they will give you what you deserve like don't feel like you have to stay but if you do like a company advocate for yourself I think that's easier said than done but would love to hear how you feel like you've been able to advocate for yourself yeah I mean I think the the biggest thing that a lot of folks kind of lose sight of is is the work like yeah. you see the titles and you see people like oh my god I want to work from home or I want to do xyz mm-hmm. like there was a lot of fucking groundwork that had to be put in for me to get in this position yeah. you know what I mean and like I didn't I didn't skip steps as far as being able to earn where I am so like if you can come improve yourself and say, listen, I know my shit and I can back it up. Yeah. Then by all means, advocate for yourself, do what you got to do, interview for whatever role you see fit. But when they ask you, okay, why do you deserve X, Y, Z? And what can you come in and implement? Like prove yourself. If they yeah. tell you to step in the ring, you better not flop. Like I tell you that, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like for yeah. me, I really had to like learn what it meant to be good what does it look like to do it the wrong way and what does it look like to do it the right way and how can I explain both and identify mm-hmm. it so I can make sure I can guide the motherfuckers to where they need to be yeah you know what I mean so I think a lot of people they want to 
they would rather finesse their way into a position yeah. instead of actually being good at what you do yeah. and then earning the right to say, listen, I shouldn't, I deserve this. And if I get an opportunity, I'm going to show you why. Yeah. So do you feel like, um, and this is something more like for our listeners to take away, like when you're trying to advocate for yourself, do you take notes as you accomplish certain things in your job of like, so that you remember? So the reason I'm bringing this up, like I'm up for promotion at my job now, mm-hmm. but the way they do it is like, I have to actually have like written out mm-hmm. all these things that I've done and the results. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of annoying in one sense, because I'm like, yo, I did this. Like, and y'all have already praised me for it. But then I'm like, you know what? I get it. Like this way, I'm going to make sure I have all of the records mm-hmm. so that ain't nobody can say like, oh, you didn't deserve this or, oh, I'm, I'm on the fence about it. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel like you've been able to, I guess, kind of keep track of some of like your accomplishments? Yeah. Um, it's funny you say that because I, that's probably one of the things I learned the soonest before I even got into this tech space, like yeah. in the, the tech sales at Apple. And that was my auntie Alani, like okay. she was one of the main ones, like if whatever you do here, make sure everybody know about it. I'm like, okay. I'm not doing this for attention. She's like, listen, I'm not talking about no attention. You need to have records. Like, yeah. you need receipts. Mm-hmm. So like, whatever I did, I had to make sure we sent out an email, whether it's me uh, assisting back a house or I'm yeah. assisting like the genius team, like make sure you in, like send an email, CC the entire store leadership yeah. so they know what's going on. And from that, it's, not, it's, a, it's an unnatural motion but it's something that you have to do. Yeah. Like, visibility is a real thing. If you doing things behind the scenes and people know the impact, yeah. that's great, but everyone needs to be on notice. And like, it's again, it's unnatural, but you have to get used to announcing it and standing in that and be like, no, this is what I do for the company. Mm-hmm. This is what I have done. Everybody should know it yeah. because this needs to be on the front line of my, with my name on it. So it can never be denied because not even the fact that it's being denied, but if people don't see it happen to them, it never happens. Yeah. So what is that saying? Like if a tree falls in a forest and no one hears it, like, did it fall? Like, it's like exactly. something like that, where it's like, yes. yeah, it didn't happen. I mean, you know, the Gen Z kids now, if it wasn't recorded, man, you were, or if you didn't Instagram or take a picture, you weren't there. You didn't go before you really didn't go. It's funny because <laughs> the initiative that we were just working on uh, right now, I was telling you about a little um, yesterday, I believe, um, where we deployed a couple new positions and we're working out like core competencies, things like that. And one of the biggest factors that's affecting the current employees is compensation. Yeah. And like I played a big part in advocating for them mm-hmm. for their compensa- or compensation increases on yeah. the base level oh, nice. and in okay. the, um, on the back end yeah. with, with commission. So we kind of restructured that and I let folks know this yeah, is no. because of me. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's something that you have to speak to because if I don't say it, They'll just see the end result and say, oh my God, this is great. Yeah. Like, no, you need to see who's in front of it and who's behind it. And it's me. <laughs> it's hard inherently. And like, I think for a lot of my friends and like, I think about my family, everyone, most, no one in my family was like a CEO or C-suite. Mm-hmm. So they're like worker bees in a sense, right? right. They just, like, I just am going to work. I don't really have a passion. I'm just doing this, right. you know, because they didn't go to college. So I didn't have like certain options. So I'm just here to get a check. Right. So then I think also, unfortunately, there are certain things that you maybe could have benefited learning from like your, your family, mm-hmm. like older people that are really close to, but we don't get that. So then you think I'm just going to work hard and keep my head down, which is, I think the worst advice. Absolutely. The worst advice that black give. people can give each other. Like, no, not keep your head down. Speak the fuck Everybody needs to <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And to, to your point, like I'm super lucky to uh, have uh, like a, a unit in the household as my parents 
and my father specifically, who is like the most unreasonably confident person I've ever met in my life. Like if he does anything, you're going to hear about it. And it's not a single thing in this world that this nigga can't do. And <laughs> I inherently adopted that. You feel me? So like, yeah. I don't care what it is you tell me, I'm gonna make this shit work. Yeah. Like they say, oh, you can't do X, Y, Z. No, you can't. Now watch yeah. me work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, right. Yeah. That's, that's my mentality, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what you are, man. I feel like I had to learn it though. Like yeah. I was like, shut up and just do my work. Mm. That wasn't working at all. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> so now we got to figure out something else so we all know who I am. Right. And then just learning the corporate politics of like who are the right people to have on your side. Yeah. There's some people there that like have a role and not doing a bad job, but like no one takes them seriously. Right. Right. But then it's like, okay, like I can like go to lunch with you every now and then, but mm -hmm. I need to be over here or let me join this other group or this ER or let me get right. involved so I can get more visibility mm -hmm. visibility and we talked about a little bit yesterday like building your brand like the team that I manage right now the most important thing for them other than performance is who do you know and how are you building your network outside of this yeah. because the same reason why I'm in the position I am now it's because folks knew the work that I did who I didn't directly work with yeah right so like if I'm fostering those relationships and like really nurturing them then these people know like, okay, this is someone who I would work with even outside of this space. Yeah. And that's what happened. One of the managers who I worked with ended up taking the director role at a different company. I was like, you know what? I saw Rob and how he operated, even though we never directly worked together, but I need someone like that on my team. Yeah. And like okay. that, having someone to advocate for me in those rooms that I'm not in is more impactful than anything you can ask for. Yeah, that is the big part. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times you're getting talked about with, like when you're not in the room and work related to situations when it comes to like you said, compensation and different bonus or you yeah. getting promoted. So it's it's important. What is your advice though? Because we're hybrid now and some people work from home completely. How do you network when you're at home? It's it's tough. And for me, like coming back into the space in a fully remote environment, like I don't I don't have a hybrid goal. Like everything yeah. I do is 100 percent remote. I have reps who are in uh jersey in seattle and la yeah. houston like across the country okay. so you have to be really really intentional mm -hmm. about setting time aside just to talk to people yeah and it feels really really unnatural but yeah. it's something that you just got to get used to yeah. like for me um i can being in an office space i can just go pop a laptop down and sit next to one of my reps and just kind of shoot the shit like yo what you do this weekend what well, we got yeah. whatever Whereas now I got to put 15 minutes on your calendar or Slack, you say, hey, are you free? Yeah. Just to shoot the shit. And it feels weird, but like just getting used to doing what has to, what you have to do to get it done. So like, if it's somebody who I would never cross paths with, like I'm in the the acquisition side of the business, I'm never going to cross paths with somebody in product or, yeah. or, you know what I mean? Or accounting. I have to go and seek that out. Like who is yeah. X, Y, and Z? Like, hey, I saw you in Slack, whatever. Just wanted to get a, a rundown. What's your day-to-day? -day? Like yeah. humanizing that experience. Like, listen, we're in these four walls all day. Like, yeah. what do you do? How can you shed light so I can like get a new respect for you? And how can it help me do my job a little bit better? Yeah. At the same time, like, let me just get to know the motherfuckers who I work with. You know what I mean? Like making a conscious effort to go outside of yourself to do that is yeah. really, really important. No, I agree. Bryce, do you, because I know you're still fairly new in your role. Do you feel like you've had to do a lot of like, well, you get to go in though, you're hybrid, but are you doing like lunches? Or are you just doing stuff on Zoom as well to kind of get to know your coworkers a little better? So we are, everyone's in the office on Wednesday. That's our, our day to talk, mingle, share ideas. So normally I'm like in everyone's face on Wednesday. So tomorrow I'm going to be in everyone's <laughs> face. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays I'm remote. 
And then uh, I'm in the office Mondays and Fridays, but most people are uh, working remote Monday and Friday. I had that option, but I chose Tuesday and Thursday because at the time I was a newbie and I felt like that was a little, like it could be a little greedy for me to take Monday and Friday. I'm very strategic, very strategic. So I took Tuesdays and Thursdays so I can actually be more visible because on Fridays, since everyone's mostly remote, it's just me in the office. So yeah. Yeah, no, you do have to be strategic. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I'm 100 percent remote, as you know, Bryce. But mm-hmm. my job is based in San Diego, so now I'm like I might go in once a month because they are asking their employees to come in. And last week when I went, or two weeks ago, everyone's like, "Oh my god, you're here!" And like they wanted to like hang out and talk. I was like, "Oh, good." Mm-hmm. Like so now I'm like, let me do this once a month. Come in, do dinner with someone, hang out, do a, a lunch if we can. You know, this whole meeting overload though. That's a whole nother. Conversation. When you stop having lunch meetings, can we just like block? I need to block off twelve to one. But anyway, I realize it is valuable though because I'm like, and I let people know ahead of time now I'm going to be here if you want to connect and we can like you said just talk. Right. Because one of the PMs we be just talking about basketball all the time. Mm -hmm. It's just like there's nothing else, but we we that we have that in common. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's important, and I think (laughs) if. I've been at the company I'm at now for a little over a year now, and there was a huge shift um, when I met most of my colleagues in person. We had an offsite where it was our senior leadership team, so uh, my VP, who I report to directly, and our CEO. And like that was a a real pivotal moment because I'm like, okay, these are people who I don't work with every day. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't speak to them every day, but they can get a feel for what I do and like really get a chance to film yeah um so we were talking about like attrition and things like that and like how we're gonna like kind of put a band-aid on some of these things um and a lot of the efforts that were put forth they were my ideas and our ceo's like well what else you got you know what i mean <laughs> and so like if that's an email thread yeah. ra- ra- rather than a conversation that's being had like in a ran- round table setting it's not going to have the same impact yeah so being in there with the director of recruiting and all these people like that FaceTime is important now they get to put a face to the name like okay so this is yeah to be be rallying around so if the, to your point uh bryce going in an office it definitely does help you in that strategic move is definitely something that you should keep on doing and don't let it go in vain just because you don't see the results immediately but it's definitely something that people will take note of yeah for sure like I, like i said i'm very strategic so even like just little things like i noticed when i got there people don't give out cards during holidays so i give out cards during holidays um my boss's uh mother passed away everyone went to the funeral except me because i was remote that day so i made sure i got him a card uh, Mm -hmm. a nice card and wrote a handwritten message in it so that you know i'm visible they know me i'm not just like stuck around so if there's an opportunity for me to get a raise or go up the ladder that they'll always remember well bryce you know he's very thoughtful bryce is always here you know he's here when he's supposed to so i won't be forgotten 100 percent yeah, that's an intangible. I've learned that I was also very close off at work. Like I didn't want you to know anything about me. And now I'm trying to be like, okay, there has to be like that human, like humanization essentially mm-hmm. that needs. And like Bryce, that's exactly what you're doing. But I would be like, all right, peace. Y'all ain't gonna see me until Monday. And they're like, what did you do this weekend? I'm like, nothing. Like, I'm like, right. all right. Let me like actually share something about my life. So now I'm like a little more open, like, oh, I went hiking or oh, I'm going to do this, or oh, my family is 
you know, based in Brooklyn. So I'm going home for a few days just so that they feel like they know me a little bit better. And although I'm not necessarily sharing like super personal information, I think it's still helpful. 100%. And like, when you look at it from a different lens, like we look at it, like I'm doing my job on paper is fine. I produce whatever, whatever. That's fine. But when you look at it from the lens of if you're a CEO, if you're a VP, essentially this business is someone's child. Yeah. So if I don't trust you with my child, I can't put you in that position or promote yeah. you into that next step. And that's the level of subjectivity that people are missing. Yeah. It's like, well, on paper, I got X, Y, Z. It's like, well, it's not build a bear. Like there's a lot of intangibles that yeah. I need to make sure that you're accountable, accountable yeah. for. And uh, it's funny, our CEO, when he hired, uh, I think it was our revenue officer, um, we had a conversation. One of the main factors he looked for, he wants to hire good people. He made his decision because when he spoke to our, our revenue officer, he practiced yoga mm -hmm. and like mindfulness and all these okay. things that he wanted to incorporate in like some of these ERGs. Yeah. And, like just being better people. He's like, you know what? This is someone who I will trust with my baby. Yeah. And like it has absolutely nothing to do business related yeah. at all. It's strictly a human thing. And like mm -hmm. you said, you got to bring that human element because especially as black people, like having the gift of gab and being able to be human and connect, that is our strength. So yeah. if you don't bring that to the workplace, you're doing yourself a disservice. That's valid. That is, that's so true. So you mentioned earlier, like a little bit about like the hiring and, you know, compensation. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like maybe you didn't necessarily plan on it, but now you're like really passionate about like diversity and mm -hmm. recruitment? Am I passionate about it now? Yes. Versus like kind of sometimes people fall into it versus you're like, okay, no, like, we need to improve this. Yeah, for me, I'm definitely passionate about it, but in the in the I want to be strategic where I have the most leverage. I don't want to go in and like um shoot my load too soon and be like, I'm not in a position where I can even yeah. make a make a difference. Um, so kind of climbing the ranks and like making sure I can like open the door wide enough so like I don't have to necessarily worry about it. And by the time I get there, I can create the infrastructure. Like, okay, this is what we need to do. And yeah. it's not even a question. It's like, yeah. well, we kind of got to listen to what this dude says. Yeah. So I didn't really know it was a thing until um, I was at Yelp and the uh, SVP of diversity and inclusion. Um, she kind of opened my eyes. She had a coffee chat with me and was basically saying, do you know what I love about my job? And I'm thinking, she's going to give me some bullshit ass answer. Like, okay, well, what do you like? What do you like? Whatever. She looked me dead in my eyes. This is some short Filipino lady. She said, I get to have white or conversations that make white people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I said, wait, I said, wait a minute. <laughs> we we in the cafeteria at the job at yeah. this point. I said, hold on, well, tell me what you got now. <laughs> and then, so we start chopping it up, whatever. And then she started breaking it down. I'm like, okay, like this is something that like yeah. I, I can see myself doing. So inadvertently in my current role, it's like a task that I've kind of taken yeah. on the side. But um, it's definitely something that is a necessity and like you can't be the one to take the torch, run with it and then hide it from everybody else. Like yeah. you, gotta, you gotta pass it on and open up some doors, so. So you have some do's and don'ts for people um, with interviewing in the roles. Mm. You know, as a director, <laughs> I know you have a lot, you know, you get to see a lot of resumes. You've probably done a lot of interviews. What are some things you just wanna like let people know common mistakes or things that happen when you end up having to be like, nah, we can't take this person to the next one. Common mistakes. Um, damn, it's so damn many. I think <laughs> one is stick to the relevant experience. I don't need to know what the fuck you've been doing for the last 10 years. Let me know why you deserve this position. Like, yeah. Okay. Even if it's not directly like you don't yeah. have a job that's directly correlated. What skills have you learned along the way yeah. that will apply to your current role that you're applying for? Okay. Number one. Number two, be concise. <laughs> <laughs> 
in this in this world like it's not about what's the biggest and the baddest how can you get your message off how can you get from a to b in the most yeah. effective manner possible yeah and a lot of people trying to dress shit up mm-hmm. we see through it <laughs> we know what you're doing <laughs> like you know what i mean <laughs> be concise be direct and communicate effectively and that's that's the biggest um ask i can ask from anyone interviewing okay. it for a new role have you ever had like a, a really bad interview where you're like this person can't be serious yeah for sure i have <laughs> i had a couple interviews last week and my calendar has been kind of stacked um but yeah i've had interviews where i'm like we five minutes in and it's we have a, a 45 minute time block and i'm this is yeah this, this is, is a no yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure in terms Mm-hmm. and um I had to do a whole day of interviews for one school and the next day I had another interview and the only interview I had was with a person of color was this well a black person let me say that um black. was this guy um and only interview I had for the day I'm very excited looking forward to it and it was just like that like he had to do a case study mm-hmm. and he didn't really answer any of the questions and he wasn't confident either like with selling himself or his story and then he also, like I said, just missed the mark on the question. So me and the other um, interviewer, who was another black woman, we both were just like, oh God, like <laughs> I was, I wanted to, you know, like definitely push you if I felt like this was strong, but it's like, well, it's not strong. Right, right. So I'm not going to like say something that ain't real, but right. it, it was just very, it was definitely um, disappointing. And I can understand too, why you're like, fuck, I have 45 minutes or an hour mm-hmm. and I already know five, 10 minutes in, this is a no. And then I got to kind of pretend that like, yeah, I'm engaged. It's, it's, it's tough, man. It really is because <laughs> one, you realizing that interviewing itself, like being able to interview well is a skill. Like there's somebody yeah. who can get out there and then sell their ass off and like really make you feel like I'm him for this position. And then they get there. It's like, yeah, oh, you don't know yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. And then there's some people who are really, really good at the position and they're terrible at interviewing. Yes. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, I think being able to make people feel comfortable in an interview where they can be their, their authentic yes, self yeah. as an interviewer, that is a skill that we got to yes. learn to adopt because a lot of people go into these interviews and they'll be the interviewer and they want to be this stone face, make someone feel uncomfortable. And like, that's not the, yeah, the environment not cool. that you want to be, you know what I mean? So one, learning how to interview and then learning how to be an interviewer. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, so Rob, question. So that like, so how do you find that balance? Like you just mentioned it, like you might have someone who might know what the hell they're doing, right? But then they're a poor interviewer, but then you have that person, Mr. Mr. or Miss Perfect who comes in and then when they get on the job, it's like all that was like them just selling themselves, right? So how do we find the balance? <laughs> yeah, they were selling smoke and mirrors. Um, well, <laughs> honestly, it's through experience, right? Like being able to see what some of the commonalities between the folks who are bullshitting and the ones who are just interviewing poorly. Like uh, there are certain things that we're asking in an interview, like how do you respond to stress? And like, there are certain questions that we ask that we are, it's designed for you not to have an answer to, but how do you respond to that stress, right? Some people, they respond really, really negatively, which is like, okay, it may not be a good fit, but like, are you able to articulate yourself and still get a message out, even if it's not what we want to hear? Can you deliver that message effectively? So one, being able to to cipher between the two and just having the experience of what what good looks like uh, in an interview and will it translate? And again, I I put it like this. The NBA does all their research. 
they have all the film, all everything, get to know these yeah. people's families, and they sometimes still get it wrong. Yeah. So it's like you're never gonna have 100% hit rate, yeah. but like making sure you're looking for the right uh, indicators that like, okay, we made a, as an informed of a decision as we could have. Yeah. Bryce, have you had to do any of that yet? I don't know. I don't know if we ever really talked about that, like with you specifically, like helping with interviews or going through resumes. Uh, I did in my last position because I was leaving it. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> trying to interview the person that was going to take over my spot. Um, but I didn't get to sit in on the actual interviews. I got to look at the resumes and everything. So Okay. Yeah. But, uh, I've seen today is my cousin's resume. So if he's listening, I hope he has sorry, cousin. that I gave him, but it's just, it's crazy because I just think about like interviewing in general. I had no training prior, mm-hmm. like in college, they didn't teach me nothing about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like my resume, it was just like bare bones. Like it wasn't, it wasn't really that great either. And so I can't, I'm not really, it's not too harsh for him. Cause I get it. Like when I was 20, I also was like, Right, right. But it still is upsetting because we have these kids pay so much money for school and their career services center is not like helping them with their resume or helping them like you should practice interviewing too. I started to do that. Um, even just by myself, like saying that my like answer out loud, mm-hmm. because I do get nervous when I interview. So yeah. it's like, all right, how do you make sure you come across confidently and like at least have some like rehearse like bullet points like what are the main things i want to make sure i keep saying right right 100 it's, it's a it's a tough thing man because the same thing the resources that may be in place they may have them they may not be resources that you can utilize like yeah what does it look like to be a person of color interviewing in a predominantly white space yeah and like how do i you know what i mean how do i sell myself to this person you yeah. know and at the same time i think people gotta like almost empower themselves and give yourself some of that power back because as much as you are interviewing you should be interviewing them too like is this a good fit for me like Mm -hmm. I remember coming into where I'm at I'm like what does diversity look like in in our workspace and (laughs) the enablement lead who was interviewing me who I'm close with to this day he was a little like not taken back but he didn't have an answer I'm like okay so I know what time it is and he's like okay what's (laughs) <laughs> this nigga asking the hard questions, you know. So he, he took it. He was like, honestly, it's probably one of our biggest uh, areas of opportunity where mm-hmm. we need to make a change. And to, yeah. I mean, granted, I'm still one of the only people of color in leadership, but you know, it, it, you gonna hear about it, and you gonna yeah. think about it at least, you know what I mean? But making sure that it's top of mind and it's where you're gonna spend majority of your fucking day. Like yeah. these people actually want to hear you out, and do they actually care about you as a person? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. So. When I was applying for positions like a couple years ago, after what when we were in the pandemic with the whole George Floyd incident, um, I started to notice like a shift in the questions. So one common question that was often asked, which is kind of weird, was, "Well, Bryce, you know, how do you handle racism?" I'm like, "Well, I'm not the person who's racist. Right. Are you racist? <laughs> is that what y'all are trying to tell me? Like, I'm like, um, I don't know how to answer that, like." Who's gonna be racist at the job? Oh, right, right. How do I handle right. racist? We'll flip your racist. <laughs> like you gonna? How do I handle it with looks? Like, like y'all know everything you got my face. So I'm gonna just look at you like what? What are you saying? Oh. When, recently, I told you I was like, "What's up with your hair?" And I was like, "I." It took me so much to keep my face straight on Zoom. I was like, "What is this woman talking about? Like, are you joking me?" Man. No, nah, I was, 
I'm 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 real big on like can you can you add some color to that? Can you elaborate? Like I'm not I'm not you're not about pigeonhole me into some some bullshit ass answer. Like what you, what you really saying? Like yeah. how, do I, how do I handle racism? Well, can you give me a scenario? What what exactly do you mean? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like I'm not doing that. I mean, fucked up. You can tell a black person did not come up with that question because that sounds something like they need some culture sensitivity training because that was yeah. a little sideways. Like, <laughs> what? All the way fucked up. I, 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 the thing I appreciate the most about being in the space, though, like whenever I get into an interview or um, wherever I speak to a new hire and they see someone like me in that position, it's like a sigh of relief. And it's like... Yeah. It's almost like, which way am I going to go? Like, am I going to yeah. talk to the, the Uncle Tom? And I'm like, what's going on with you, man? How you doing? And they're like, oh, he want to meet. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, let's <laughs> talk about that. Like, there's like this awkward moment when you see another Black person at work and be like, right. you like, right, can I trust you, nigga? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, God. <laughs> when I went to Afrotech, right, I like I met a lot of you know my coworkers for the first time, and I was just like, mm. and then we had that first mixer, and niggas was nigging, and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> got it, I can be comfortable. <laughs> this day, because even my uh, coworker when I first met her, first day, I was like, how's she doing her hair? Like, my am I is she one of us like I don't, I don't know how I feel let's see but now nah, she was good though we good <laughs> but you never know like I'm like she gonna snitch like what's 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 the vibe right. giving so right. it took me like a couple of weeks to kind of get a little comfortable with her you know yeah 100 that shit is hilarious yeah I like do like a lunch like what's it before COVID and like then you like talk to them you just kind of see like what is the vibe what are they talking because like normally honestly like I don't want it to always go there but I'm gonna say something like yeah like how's it for you like being a black person at this company right. and like if they're like oh about it I'm like oh Yo, no this this no, sis, <laughs> this, no. <laughs> she's something yeah, that shit is crazy. For me, like my role, I work primarily with financial advisors. And like you talk about wealth, it is a white term in yeah. general. So like majority of the conversations I have on a day to day are very, very white. Yeah. <laughs> so like whenever I do get the chance to like empower somebody or like I have a rep underneath me or even if you're not on my team, it's like, look, this is what you got to do to succeed. Yeah. This is what you need to make sure that you got in place to like protect yourself. Right. Like straight up i think you know like if you see me out in like in yeah. social a lot of people don't know what the fuck i do or yeah. like you know what i mean so i'm i'm all the way black you know what i mean so <laughs> if you meet me at work or whatever the case is i'm gonna let you know like listen here nigga, get it together because yeah. you know what i mean so making sure you got people like that is crucial so when you get the i don't think about it stay the fuck away from me because <laughs> uh-uh i don't got time <laughs> and at the same time you're looking for allies too because then there's like the non-black people that feel like okay i'm feeling you out like are you aware of certain issues or just things like as a woman right are you a woman in the workplace it's like no we're equal like okay yes but we aren't like let's talk about that let's empower each other how are you like coming to the table as a leader and like how are you empowering other women to like get up get it up the ladder regardless of your race right. and there's just like little facets of all of these things that we can get into like 
Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just like being aware of that. Like all these ERGs are can be helpful, but then it's like, how are you empowering? And so like I'm in one of the black ERGs at my company and one of the black leaders shared with us some of the stuff that the, the like, VPs and stuff are actually working on mm-hmm. for the future. And it was, I was like, wow, this is something I want to know because yeah. normally we are not in the loop of like, what is actually the direction of that the company is taking for certain things. Yeah. And like, yes, it's nice to be able like Wakanda forever, but also <laughs> like, how are you helping empower the rest of us to like right. even just know what is going on? Exactly. And that's what I'm talking about. Like the things that happen in a vacuum, if you don't hear about it to you, it didn't happen. Yeah. And it may be happening. And another aspect of it is how are we educating the people to like see it from a different lens? Because I don't want to be the motherfucker who's like, oh, this is, a, you're supposed to know this. I was at one point, didn't know anything about nothing about the space. Yeah. And like, having a conversation and educating somebody and interview word, like, are you aware of what affinity bias is and like what that means and how it affects our candidate pool? If you have an affinity bias, which we all do, you naturally take into liking to people who are like you. Yes. How do you address that and make sure that it's not coming out in your recruiting and in Mm -hmm. your hiring? Like there's people who don't even know that that exists and like, okay, well, what do you like about this candidate? I don't know. They just have a good vibe. That's not where we want yeah. to go because exactly that's taking the liking to somebody like you, brother. So, like again, there may be people who don't even know that they're doing it because yeah. that's not an obstacle that they've ever had to yeah. overcome. So, like educating the people on the signs and what it looks like to be in a position of leadership and like yeah, you know, helping other folks out. So sometimes you got to have a little grace because sometimes people will be doing shit and mm-hmm. doing it wrong and they don't even know. You know what I mean? Not right. Ooh. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so in closing, you know, we'll wrap it up. So thank you for your time. because This is very informative. I think our listeners will get a lot out of it. Like, do you have just, I guess, any last words on advice for people wanting to get into tech? Because, you know, tech, honestly, for the last 10 years has been like, or even maybe 15, it's just been like the hot industry. Everyone wants to get in. Mm-hmm. What is like your advice for someone trying to figure it out? Um, It's really, really tough because like just hearing like, being in tech is such a, a broad term. Um, but I think more, more than anything, you're gonna have to get uncomfortable. Yeah. Like regardless of what you do, you're gonna have to not have to, but you should probably take a role that you want to take otherwise to actually get the experience to learn if it's something for you or not. Because mm-hmm. me, if you would have told me that my entry point was where it was and what that role entailed, I would have said absolutely not. I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> get somebody else to do it, you know. So um, get uncomfortable, do things you wouldn't normally do just so you can have that experience and that'll help you make a better informed decision and uh, don't be so closed off to to an opportunity because it's not you. Yeah, okay, that's good advice. Bryce, any last thoughts, words, questions? No, that was amazing. I feel like Rob hit it on the head. I mean, because when, when you go into an uncomfortable space in general, you're more likely to grow as a person, so... Mm-hmm. Just do it. Don't be afraid of messing up because I mess up every day. So it's fine. Yeah. What these white people be saying at work, fail forward. I yeah. mean, it's it's for real though. Like for real. Like go out there and make as many mistakes as you possibly can and like you'll learn from it, become better on the other end. So yeah. And I think my only last like advice for me, like my experience is actually ask for help. There are people that are willing to help you mm-hmm. in the interview process, look at your resume, whatever. So you would be surprised. Um, even if some of your friends that are not necessarily in tech might still have the wherewithal and the like knowledge to help you with like interviewing, just be like that person 
going to ask the question and then say, oh, yes, do this. You stuttered a lot or you like take a mm-hmm. deep breath. You seem nervous. Like you never know. People are willing to help. Yeah. There's somebody out there that give you a chance. Yes. Yeah. There's always there's a lot of no's, but all you need is one yes. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Ugly Ducklings podcast. You know, y'all can catch us anytime on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the damn podcasts. <laughs> so, you know, we're starting to keep this content coming week after week. And if you have any questions or topics you would love us to cover, email us at uglyducklingspod at gmail.com. And we will catch y'all next week. Peace out. Later.